Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope that you enjoy this message today. It's funny how stubborn humans can be. I'm sure I'm not talking, not you, but, but um, you know, I was, when I was a child, I went to Baptist church and I never, I never heard whether there was a Holy Spirit when I was a child. Um, <laughs> and then I was, I got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was about 21 years old and um, went to Bible school and began to pastor when I was 26. And um, I became an expert, I thought, on the Holy Spirit. No one could tell me. I mean, after all, I pastored a Pentecostal church, an Assembly of God church. I was pastoring for 16 years when 1994 came, and, and I um, thought I knew. I thought I knew what the presence of the Lord was. And, and I'm sure there's people here this morning that say, oh, yeah, I know, I know what the presence is. None of us have tasted what there is available to us. I mean, how can you say you've experienced the, 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 the omnipotent God? He's, he's beyond anyone's comprehension. Stephen was saying that the, Stephen, you know, the sermon, the sermon that he preached that got him killed. Stephen said that the heavens themselves, all of the universe, cannot contain his presence. That he spills out of all of it. He says, how, how on earth do you think you could build a temple that can house the presence of God. He's telling the Pharisees, he said, how can you, how can you, when, he, when creation itself can't contain this God? Well, Peter, you know, like the rest of them, Peter had thought he had experienced all there was of God. He had seen a lot over his, his years, these three years of traveling with Jesus. He had thought he had seen everything. He had seen all sorts of miracles from the water turned into wine to blind men seeing to dead men walking to Jesus walking on water, feeding the multitudes. He'd seen demoniacs delivered, lame people walking, blind people seeing, deaf people hearing. He had seen just about anything you could imagine. And... Um, then this one day, Jesus, in Matthew 17, he invited Peter. He, after six days, he took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured. Everyone say transfigured. He was transfigured or transformed. The, 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 the word that's used in the New Testament Bible is, is metamorphosized. He was he was changed from one form to another. Right before their eyes, something began to happen to Jesus. His face began to shine like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. So Peter was again experiencing something else that he had never experienced before. Maybe, just maybe, there's some things that you've never tasted Maybe there's some things of God that are out there that you've never tasted yet that can complete something in your life that's lacking. Maybe there's something of God that if you could, if you could, if you could see him and taste him and touch him, maybe then, maybe, maybe you can find some satisfaction in God and in God alone. Maybe so. So anyway, this um, Second Peter, Peter wrote this letter, Second Peter, just just before he died. Some people say that he wrote, it was the last thing that he wrote just before they executed him. 
And, um, you know, he was reflecting on some of the things that had made an impact on his life, you know, over, over the years with Jesus, before, before Pentecost, before his ministry, and before he was locked up and, and sentenced for execution. Second Peter says, for we, did not, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord. Peter said, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He said, I'm not telling you about something that somebody told me. I tasted the reality of God for myself. I have a testimony. I've witnessed things myself. I've tasted things myself that changed everything about my life. Do you have a testimony? Is Christ alive in your heart and in your life? Have you tasted the reality of God for yourself? That's what Peter was saying. He said, for he said, he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well, I'm well pleased. So he's, he's beginning to talk about this moment of moments, this life-defining moment for him when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. When he was there, not only was Jesus' face lit up and his clothes lit up, suddenly there was a, a cloud that came and overshadowed, uh, overshadowed the disciples and the voice of the Father began to speak to them out of the cloud. Peter was experiencing the presence of God like he had never experienced up to that point in his life. Have you ever stepped in to the presence of Almighty God? Have you suddenly become aware that God is in this place like Jacob did when he was, had his head on that pillow that night or, or like Isaiah did when he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train filled the temple or like Ezekiel when he was caught up in the visions of God or, or like John when he was on the Isle of Patmos or, or like Paul when he was on the Damascus Road? It seems like God loves to reveal himself. He wants to show himself in your life. He doesn't want you to go on somebody else's word, somebody else's testimony, somebody else's experience. He wants to bring you in to the reality of God for yourself, for your own life. From Peter, for Peter, this was just another day of ministry. What would it be today? A madman full of devils? A seductive-looking woman washing Jesus' feet? Or, or maybe another mob trying to kill the Lord? Peter had seen it all over the last couple of years. He'd seen blind eyes open, lame men walking, the deaf get here. Why, he'd even seen a young boy awaken from his coffin. He wondered if there'd be storms and riots or crowds singing the praises of the Lord. But by now, not much could surprise Peter. At least that's what he thought. But today was going to be a different kind of day. Maybe that's what this day will be for you, a different kind of day. Maybe you thought, oh, maybe I'll go to church this morning. It doesn't have to be the same old, same old for you. Maybe today, maybe today, why not today be the life-defining day for you? Why not this be the day that the, the veil's taken away and you taste the reality of the glory of God for yourself? Why not? Maybe this is your day of, that will define everything about your future. So he says, um, he goes on to say, uh, to say in this blog, just yesterday, Peter had publicly called Jesus the Son of God only to hear Jesus talk about death by crucifixion. Could things ever get more complicated? That's when they went up this mountain called Hermon. That's when things really got strange, even for Jesus. First, his face began to shine with a light more beautiful and clean than Peter had ever seen. Then his clothes lit up. 
They were brighter than anything Peter had ever witnessed. The next thing Peter knew, Moses and Elijah were there. They were talking to Jesus about what they called his exodus, his departure. It seemed like they were saying his, his, his departure, his death was why he came. The next thing Peter saw was the cloud of glory surrounding all of them. Then it happened. Peter heard a voice that went right through his being. This is the son of my love. Listen to him. This was the voice of the heavenly father. This was the voice of life and love. This was a day quite different from anything Peter had ever experienced. This was one day he could never forget. Today's scripture verse comes from Peter's second letter. It was about this day above all others. He wasn't talking about walking on water or feeding the multitudes. He wasn't even talking about the great day of Pentecost when he stepped into his ministry. No, he was talking about the Father. Peter had run his race. He was ready to see the Father for himself. All he could think about was the assurance he had known in his heart since that day. He just uttered the words, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God the day before, and now he was tasting the edge of heaven for himself. After all, we weren't made for this world. From that day on, the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter knew that. How about you? That was a day like no other. Now he was ready to go for himself. Soon he would see Moses, Elijah, and yes, Jesus himself in glory. Peter was experiencing, testing, experiencing the edge of the glory of God. You know, I'm sure Peter remembered that day. Just a short period of time after this, Jesus was uh, arrested, he was crucified, he was buried, he was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, and Peter and, of course, the rest of the disciples gathered in the upper room, and while they were sitting there, suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like the sound of a rushing mighty wind. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The glory of God came upon them, and Peter stepped in for himself into the very presence of God. No longer a spectator. No longer an observer. You know, there's, there's so many of us, so many of us, we live our life as observers. We live our lives on the sidelines, watching others perform, singing the praises of somebody else, doing great exploits, whether it's football, baseball, whether it's on television, movies, or whatever. But, you know, one of, one of the things that, that Christianity can bring to you is the opportunity to step out of, the, out of the pews, out of the stadium seats, and step into experience for yourself. You don't have to be on the sidelines. Oh, it was great. Peter experienced three years like no other, but it was about to change. Now he was tasting the reality of God for himself. He was going to be winning people to Christ. He was going to be casting out devils. He was going to be laying hands on the sick and seeing people recover. There's something inside of you that longs for that. There's something inside of you that longs for for more of God for yourself. There's something inside of you that says, I need to step in to the real. I'm tired of, of types and shadows and formulas and principles and teachings. I need to taste something real that'll get in my heart and in my life, that will sustain me, that will satisfy me, that will pour up and out of me. It can minister to others. So Peter, Peter, um, you know, this, I, going back to this um, Matthew 17, let me get it in my, my Bible, Matthew 17, he was, he was seeing something before his eyes 
the transfiguration. Let me read the story. After six days, Jesus took his brother, Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to him, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make your three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, arise and do not be afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So there was, there was a, a, a mark placed upon their life from this day forward. They saw something. They saw this person, this human, transfigured before their eyes. It was something that, that Peter remembered the rest of his life. Transfigured, transformed. He was changed from a natural man into the heavenly man. He was transfigured in front of them from just being a, 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 a son of man into the son of God. Inside of each one of us is a desire to be transfigured. You're not satisfied with life as it is, as a natural man. You were made for more than that. There's something hollow about the things of this life that can never sustain and satisfy you. There's something on the inside of you that's crying out that says, there must be more. There must be more for me. I need to be transfigured myself. I need to be transformed from just a, a natural human being into a supernatural human being. I don't need to just live a natural life I want to live a spiritual life to be a, a spiritual man to be transformed where you're you're changed from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory into the image of Jesus Christ where you begin to talk differently you begin to live differently you begin to think differently you begin to be differently you, you live your life different your family's different you've been transfigured from the natural into the supernatural. I'm not talking about formulas or principles. I'm talking about total transformation. I'm talking about being born again. I'm talking about being impacted by the, the supernatural, the other world coming upon you and inside of you and transforming you and recreating you and yes, transforming you, metamorphosizing you. You know, the people that you're around every day, if they have any idea, do they have any idea of your conversion? Have you told them? Have you told them something happened to me? Have you told them they have their eye on you? They know the person you used to be. And as you step under the influence of the Word of God, and as you step under the influence of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, something begins to change. It begins to change. It might be subtle at first, but there's a transformation. 
Your countenance begins to change. Your attitude begins to change. Your heart begins to change. Your desires begin to change. You no longer want to participate in the activities you used to participate in. Those things are no longer appeasing to, appealing to you and no longer satisfying to you. You've tasted another cup. And they, they begin to, people begin to look at you and they begin to say, something's happened in this person's life. There's something going on, something, something, something's going on in this person's life. They're beginning to change the way, they, they're beginning to be transfigured into a different kind of person. They're taking on a new personality. Oh, I know what it is. They're beginning to, to be a little bit more like, about, like Jesus. You know, there, there was a, 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 an accidental thing that took place in a city called Antioch. It was the place of the first true Gentile revival. And the Gentiles, many thousands of Gentiles were coming to Christ in Antioch. And the people there began to, to criticize these, these Christians. They weren't called Christians yet. They were called the way. But they began to actually call them Christians for the first time in Antioch. And their terminology meant they, they began to call them little, little Christs. That's what they were calling them. Oh, these are little Christs. These are, these are little, little Christ. They're beginning to, to act like Christ. Now, why were they saying that? Because there was a, a change in their behavior. They weren't, they weren't participating in the deeds of this world the way they used to. There was a transformation. They weren't involved in the so-called party anymore. They were not, no longer involved in the compromise anymore. They were no longer involved in the debauchery anymore. They were no longer involved in the drunkenness anymore. They had been changed. They had tasted something sweeter, something real, something better, and they were being transfigured, transformed from the natural man into the spiritual man. My friend, that's the testimony in Jesus that's going to impact your family. It's not your preaching. It's not your way of explaining, but it's the, it's the power of the testimony of the reality of God in your soul. The gentleness, the meekness, the love, the kindness, the goodness, the humility, the purity of God in your life. Amen. That's going to preach. Amen. Woo! Thank you, Lord. So in Matthew 17, 5, it says, he says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Overshadowed. Everyone say overshadowed. Have you ever been overshadowed? Overshadowed by the glory of God. Suddenly the glory of God begins to move upon your life. It talks about in Psalm 91, under the shadow of the Almighty God. Living under the, it's, we're, we're describing not a place to visit, but a place to live our lives. Under the shadow of the Almighty God. Abiding under the shadow of His presence. Abiding under the mighty presence of the Lord. And He begins to overshadow your life. 
He begins to overshadow you and he begins to overshadow all the past successes in your life. Suddenly your life is not defined by your past accomplishments, but your life is defined by this new visitation. Your life is defined by Christ. He has come and overshadowed who you used to be. He comes and overshadows all of your failures. Your life is no longer defined by your failures. It's not defined by failed businesses, failed marriages, failed ministries, failed families. That's not who you are. Christ has come and given you a new identity. He's come and overshadowed your past. Paul the Apostle experienced this on the Damascus Road. His life was, was overshadowed. He was on the road to Damascus and he saw a light brighter than the, the noonday sun. And his life was impacted drastically. His past was taken away. And Christ came upon him and came in him and gave him a brand new identity. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. My life has been overshadowed by the glory of God. And how about all of your problems? All of your problems, the biggest problems you can imagine. Financial problems, money problems so big that you can't think about anything. You wake up in the middle of the night and all you can think of is numbers in the middle of the night. You wake up in the morning and you think about the calls you might get that day. You can't get the bills out of your head. You've got problems. Or, or maybe your problem is medical. The doctor gave you a bad report. All you can think about is the big C that's been marked on your report or whatever it is. Our God, his glory will overshadow and make insignificant to you every issue, every problem that you could ever imagine. Under the shadow of the Almighty God, we find a, a resting place. We find a hiding place. We find a place of safety from our enemies. We find a place of refuge underneath this shadow of his protection. We have access into his presence yeah, have you been there recently? Have you been there? It's not a place that we're just intended to visit every now and then. It's actually been given us as, as a new place to live. When Jesus left, he told his disciples, when he was teaching them about the Holy Spirit in John 14, he says, you know, most of us think about John 14 as I'm going to prepare a place for you. Well, the place he was going to prepare is not necessarily a mansion in heaven, even though that's awesome. But he was going to play, prepare for us a spiritual reality. The teaching of that chapter is about the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to prepare a place of intimacy for you. I'm going to prepare a, a place under my shadow where you can live your life. I'm providing a place for you to live a brand new life. It's better for you if I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to rip heaven open. And I'm going to give you access into the holiest of all. And you can come into my presence and you can find a new way to live, a new and living way to live your life in the presence of God. Under the shadow, under the shadow, under the shadow, under the shadow, that's my place, that's my identity, under the shadow, it's my place of protection, under the shadow, it's where I live my life, 
under the shadow. It's safe. I'm protected. I'm What can touch me here? What can touch me? Oh, what can touch me? What can separate me from the love of God? What can separate me from his love? Under the shadow, I'm connected. I'm protected. I'm safe in his sovereign love, in his care for my life. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, well, while he was still speaking, I love this. This Peter seems to get interrupted by the Holy Ghost quite often. If you remember Cornelius' house, it says in Acts chapter 10, while he was still speaking, the Holy Ghost fell. Well, here, Peter's talking about building a tabernacle. We're going to build three. Yeah, we're going to build a tabernacle for Elijah and one for, for Moses and one for you, Jesus. Yeah, just like they did in the Old Testament. And while he was still speaking, while he was still spouting out his human ideas, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice interrupted him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him while he was still speaking. Oh yeah, the, the father. You go in the Old Testament and you check out the cloud of glory. There were many times when Moses would go into the, the tabernacle and he would, the cloud would come upon the tabernacle. And you go check it out. Many, many times the voice would come out of the clouds. The voice would come out of the clouds. You get under the shadow. You get under his anointing. You get under his tangible presence. And you're going to become sensitized to the voice of the Lord. It's a place of protection. You get under his protection and under his shadow. You begin to, he begins to speak into your life. and he spe He'll speak words of encouragement. He'll speak words of direction. He'll speak, speak words of correction. He'll speak words of healing. He'll speak words of impartation. He'll speak whatever it needs to be in your life. Under the shadow, under his presence, you get still before the Lord, and the voice of the Lord begins to speak. In this case, he began to say, this is the son of my love. This is the son of my love. This is the son of my love. I love this story, you know, this, what an amazing picture the father and the son have been in this intimate relationship from before there was a creation the father loved the son in eternity before there was a sun or a universe or star or moons or people or anything the father loved the son but the son was not a man until he was born of the virgin he became a man he came and the creator entered into this creation and became one of us. And the father is looking at this. This is his son. This is the son of his love. This is the son he's loved from eternity. And now his son is standing there in the form of a man. He came for a purpose. He came to, to redeem a fallen race. He became to redeem fallen men. He came to represent us. That's why he came. It's the only reason he came, to be our intercessor, to be our sacrifice, to be our substitute, to take our place on the cross. And the Father says, this is the Son of my love. This is him. Listen to him. And you'll be transformed. You'll be transformed into another man. 
Two last scriptures I have to read before we finish in Hebrews. Hebrews 7, talking about this heavenly man. Everyone say heavenly man. You see, Jesus had an earthly ministry, but Jesus also has a heavenly ministry. His heavenly ministry is awesome. Oh, his heavenly ministry is awesome. In Hebrews 7.25, it says, He is able, it's talking about Jesus, He is able to save to the uttermost, to those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. This is talking about my high priest. This is talking about the human Jesus of Nazareth, the resurrected human. They're right now seated at the Father's right hands, interceding for me, praying for me, representing me before the Father. The Father looks at Him and He sees, He sees me in Christ. He sees you in Christ. I'm in Him, and you're in Him. We're seated together in heavenly places in our Savior. He's my representative, and He's able to save me to the uttermost. He's able to change me totally, completely, finally, permanently to the uttermost. I don't have to stay that miserable alcoholic I used to be. I don't have to stay that blasphemer I used to be. I don't have to stay that liar, that compromiser, that that traitor. He's not only forgiven me, but he's transforming me from the natural man into the heavenly man. He's my advocate. He's my intercessor. And he ever lives to make intercession for me. And he's able to save me to the uttermost. Uttermost. I love that word. Uttermost. Uttermost. Totally and finally. Totally and finally. And then the last Hebrews 8, 1 and 2. The last verse I want to read. This is the main point. Paul says this is the main point. This is what I've been trying to say. We have such a high priest. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. It's what John saw when he was caught up. We have this high priest. He's ruling the universe by the word of his power. He's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Oh, and by the way, he's the minister of the sanctuary. He has a, he's the heavenly minister. The heavenly minister. He's the heavenly minister. The heavenly minister has heavenly ministry. See, the earthly priests like John the Baptist's, they baptized in water for the remission of sins. But John said, there's one coming after me who's mightier than I. He says, I baptize in water for the remission of your sins, but the one coming after me, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. That's who he is, and that's what he does. Yeah, he has a heavenly ministry. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. John was the baptizer in water. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit since you believed? You know, it's biblical. It's absolutely essential. In this crazy, goofed up, compromising world, How can you expect to live a victorious Christian life without the mighty power of the Holy Spirit in your life? 
He has given us something precious, something powerful. It's his heavenly baptism. I want to honor him. I want to receive his heavenly unction upon my life every day. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I must decrease. You must increase. I must decrease. And you must increase. The prayer of John the Baptist. Lord, I must decrease. And, and you must increase. More of you, Lord, and less of me. More, more, more. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at victoryfellowship.net for service times and locations.